Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome to Muskoka Drawdown. Drawdown refers to reducing carbon emissions. My name is Frank DeYoung. I'm here on behalf of Climate Action Muskoka. Go to the Climate Action Muskoka website and sign up for the weekly newsletter. You will be very happy with all the information you get. My guest today is John Morton. John is the Chief Operating Officer at Greystone Project Management. He is a globally competitive iron man, or iron person, I guess I should say. He lives in Huntsville as a family man, and he is active in Muskoka politics. Welcome, John. Thank you, Frank, for having me. Excited to be here. How long have you lived in, uh, in, um, Huntsville, in Muskoka? I moved here, I moved here about uh, 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. Um, so definitely have felt new to the area at the time, but, uh, over time, uh, have really gotten used to, uh, the area and, and we absolutely love it. And, uh, and now, uh, now I've got uh, three kids that were all born here and, and we'll be raised here. You're not going anywhere anytime nope. soon. Uh, John, tell me please, what is an Ironman? An Ironman. It is a, uh, it is a little bit of a silly distance of a race, but, uh, it's something that I've been <laughs> Tell doing. us how long, how far it is. Yeah. Come so on. it's a, it's a four kilometer swim or 3.8 kilometer swim. And then, uh, you get out of the water and hop on your bike for 180 kilometers. And after you're done that, you run a marathon, which is 42 kilometers. And then, and then you're done. <laughs> oh, that's nothing. I could do that before breakfast. <laughs> that's amazing. And apparently you are globally competitive. You actually uh, have been winning in many of these uh, insane races and moving on up. Yeah. So, so the races usually have qualifying uh, spots to the world championships, which is held in Hawaii. And uh, I've been to Hawaii a couple times now. Um, which has just been an incredible experience. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's very competitive there and a difficult race, but, uh, but yeah, I'm always up for a challenge, I guess. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, Muskoka has adopted, uh, an active transportation strategy back in like 2010 for, we're already 12, 13 years in. Has it been, how is it going? Is it being productive? Do you notice, are, are there improvements? I mean, that, 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 I mean, that's a good point I, we when i first started looking at um you know what's going on around here in terms of active transportation i found that document in it and it felt like within the document it talked about being updated every 5 years which i quickly found out wasn't happening um and that's really what inspired me to get involved in this and and uh with with some people i know in the community and we started talking about um getting in front of council and and uh and that's eventually what led me to to join uh this active transportation committee that the town has formed to try to help make a difference yeah well first of all let's back up a little bit to active transportation it's sort of self-evident but just give us an explanation of the term yeah i think i think it's easy to think about active transportation you might immediately your brain might go to cycling and, and things of that nature and i feel like it's so much more than that i mean obviously my interests lie primarily in terms of my personal um, 
what I do personally on, on roads is, is a lot of cycling, uh, and running, but, um, really active transportation is about getting people of all, uh, abilities and, and modes of transportation from point A to point B in different parts of the community. So that doesn't matter if you're pushing a stroller, if you have a walker, a wheelchair, a bicycle, uh, an e-bike, rollerblades, whatever it is, we're, we're trying to create safe places to go from point A to point B in town, uh, especially from residential areas to, to downtown business areas um, and, and, and to important nodes like the hospital. And so um, I think it's critical to think about it that way. It's not just bike lanes. It's so much more than that. Are you talking right now like just in Huntsville or across all of Muskoka? So, so personally, my interests are, are, are that Muskoka needs to do better and have an integrated network on a, on a wide scale. However, um, the committee that we've, we've got is, is Huntsville focused. Now, um, it's important though, I think that we have an integrated plan that connects all of the communities. There are folks that of course we need to think about in town trips. So from residential neighborhoods to the downtown, to businesses all over town, how do we make that happen? How do we make that easy? How do we create connections? But I think we also need connections between communities and that ties into cycling tourism. It ties into healthy and active lifestyles. Um, so I think there's sort of a, a definitely a different, um, a couple different perspectives on it that, that could, Muskoka could be well tied together by looking at it from that. I was just uh, Googling a little bit and I came across, uh, there's a difference between purposeful and recreational active transportation. I never heard yep. of that distinction before. Yeah. Can you? And, and I, I feel like, I feel like our primary goal on, on these committees is to, is to look at um, the community as a whole. So it, it needs to be purposeful. At the same time, um, there's a lot of opportunity for, um, to open up routes and corridors that um, are, are actually well used today, but, but perhaps um, are just being used because they're obvious routes um, for, for cyclists and, and for um, people that are visiting our area. Um, so, so it's gotta be a broad perspective. I think at the same time, we don't want to make it so complicated that we can't actually achieve anything. So there's some short term sort of things we can look at that are low hanging fruit, call it. And, and then some broader perspectives that we can look at with this as well. Yeah. I was, um, uh, hopeful that the the renovation, the redoing of downtown Huntsville, I mean, I'm really glad the sidewalks are wider. That's really great and uh, makes it into a more walkable community. But I was very disappointed that there was no bicycle bicycle lanes through downtown, which is the most almost the most important route for cyclists to get out, out get around town and out of out, in and out of town. Yeah, was that an oversight or was that the plan, or did they consider it and said, "Well, not enough people ride, so forget it," or what? To be honest, I don't I don't know the story behind of the how those decisions got made. Um, I wasn't in really that involved in any of that stuff at the time. But uh, what I do know is when you hear about stories like that, when you, when you see roads that are planned to be reconstructed, even in the, in the coming uh, budgetary cycles, the first thing I think of is I really hope we're not missing an opportunity. And, Mm -hmm. and how do we make sure that we don't miss opportunities going forward? I think the first thing is you have to have uh, a clear plan, a clear set of objectives of, of what we want to accomplish in the town ultimately. 
And then every time you're repaving a road, every time there's something that's changing, you're making sure you're incorporating those things. So you're creating connections and, and, and instead not just doing a project. And now it's 10 or 20 years before you have another opportunity. That's, that's correct. I've, um, I was, uh, I was, I'm a Toronto refugee up here in, in, in the Muskoka and all my years in Toronto, I was a forced season cyclist, uh, for like 25 years. And uh, the cycling infrastructure in Toronto is slowly, slowly getting better. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near how as good as Montreal is now. Montreal is fabulous, but Toronto is making good progress, especially in the downtown area. If when you uh, when you're dreaming in Technicolor, what do you think uh, Muskoka would look like if uh, if your dreams could come true? Oh, wow. I, I I see so much opportunity when I look around and when I cycle and move around uh, this area. I mean. I know we have our challenges ge- geographically in terms of all the hills and everything. I know that we have uh, infrastructure that's already been built, but I mean, when you look at places that are already developed that have achieved um, pro- like really, really high grade um, active transportation infrastructure, there's so many improvements we could we could do here that actually a lot of are are, are pretty easily incorporated and 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 aren't that difficult. I I, I feel pretty optimistic about that. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you just have to, at this point, I think we have to have, uh, you know, put a plan together. That's, that is something that can be achieved in the long run, but also has short-term goals. So I, I want, you know, for me, I feel very comfortable on the road, uh, on my bike, but that's just because I've been, I've done a lot of cycling on the road. So I'm comfortable in, in traffic. I'm comfortable of what to do. I've talked to neighbors of mine. Um, I even think about my kids riding around uh, in town. And I know this is a significant discomfort with even thinking of that idea. I have adult, adult friends that would never consider even riding on the road because they feel it's very dangerous. When I hear stuff like that, that tells me that there's a problem we need to deal with and and it's going to take some time, but we, we do need to address that. Well, you have kids and you know, uh, Huntsville is a fabulous, Muskoka is a fabulous place to raise kids. The services are are fabulous and schools and recreational opportunities. But it's, uh, I remember I was, uh, when I was a kid, my bike was my best friend. I was, we were free, right? We're kids and you're free. And, and parents won't let their kids ride. They're, yep. they're scared to death for obvious reasons because it's it's car hell out there, and yep. and the the kids always lose. Um, that to me is we've got to start young. You know, you think of places like the Netherlands where entire classes go for rides uh, yep. regularly, and they're with their teacher. They're all on bikes and they're all off road. Uh, that's that's my dream come true, but I don't think I'll see it in no, my but, life. And but. I but I feel the same. I I visited Spain very recently. Um, there were. I, I saw a group of 20 or 30 kids, no more than 10 years old, yeah. riding with one adult and, yeah. and they were in the downtown and it was busy and cars were incredibly respectful. Yeah. They, they left room, they drove slow. It, it's a cultural change that also needs to happen, but there, the culture, the, the, the culture towards cycling and towards active transportation versus vehicles doesn't change without leadership. And the leadership comes from incorporating and prioritizing active transportation projects. It sends a signal uh, to, to motorists, to the whole community about the importance of keeping people safe, pedestrians safe yeah. uh, on the side of the road and, and not being, and driving slower and being cautious. And so I think, Again, it, 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 it has to start somewhere, but that's eventually what I'd love to see is, is if you see somebody, anybody, old or young, with, his, with their feet 
on the curb face looking like they want to cross the road, stop for them. You know, like, like let's like, and I think that that's not what happens right now. Pedestrians are told, my kids are told, you know, wait till it's clear and then go. And, and, and where I just came from, it, it blew my mind, but If you put your toes on the curb to cross, all the cars stopped. That happens in Newfoundland and St. John's. If you it does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see more of that kind of yeah. mentality. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is uh, increasing bicycle and, and, and pedestrian um, infrastructure, is it a cost uh, negative or uh, is there economic spinoffs for the community? There are so many spinoffs that, that come from it. And, and I think that that's well documented. And, and so, you know, just to list a few. First of all, if, if, if we as a society want to promote and encourage healthy and active lifestyles, people have to be outside um, moving around. And so in order to get outside and move around, you have to, uh, you have to create spaces to do that. So that's part of this. Um, number two, we're facing an affordability crisis right now with housing. Well, it costs money to own a car. We've got now the, the technology is advanced enough that you can buy an e-bike from Costco for like a, less than a thousand bucks. So imagine if there was a way to get to and from work on something that didn't cost you a monthly payment. And, and that brought a massive cost center down in your household, um, including fuel, which is also expensive. So I think there's, there's something to be said for that. Well, as well, from an economic perspective, you know, lastly, I, there was a presentation in the last term of council um, about greenhouse gas emission reduction strategies. Um, and the fellow did a good presentation on that. And, and anyways, the summation of that was the largest sort of uh, producer of greenhouse gas in the municipality was transportation yeah. related. Yeah. Um, okay, well, how do you fix that? You stop driving cars so much to get to and from point A to point B. How do you do that? You create spaces to be able to do that and, and methodology. So I think I think it just compounds. I know too, when you're, when you add things like widened shoulders to, to asphalt roadways, it extends the lifespan of that roadway because you it's financial so it, benefit. Exactly. So you, there's a lot of ways to justify this. So we just have to, we just yeah. have to do that. John, stay with us. We have to take a short break now. We're going to be back. Uh, we're talking with uh, John Morton, who's an active transportation committee for uh, Muskoka and for Huntsville and uh, stay with us. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. Welcome back to uh, Muskoka Drawdown. My guest today is John Morton, and uh, we're talking about active transportation. Uh, uh, John, before the break, you were, you brought up the subject of electric assist bicycles. There's a lot of hills in Muskoka, certainly hills all over Hunt, uh, Huntsville. I'm thinking, you know, the people like you can go up any hill, even if it's like a it's 85 degree incline. But most of us human, most of us earthlings, uh, we would really benefit from electric assist, which would make Huntsville entirely cyclable with uh, oh, no problem. Uh, are you in favor of making more of, uh, like there's in Toronto, there's all these e-bikes available or bikes available and they even have e-bikes available. Yeah. I think, I think all of those options are on the table for us to look at and plan for. I mean, you see it in other, in other towns that are more sort of ahead, ahead of where we're at in terms of development. And on top of that, when I, when I first moved here only 10 years ago, I mean, everybody talked about how hilly it was and how difficult it was to cycle around. I mean, with e-bikes, I know, I know a lot of people that have recently purchased e-bikes cannot believe the difference it makes in terms of their enjoyment of cycling. Mm -hmm. Now they're outside cycling and 
and previously they never did before. And so it's, it's actually, it's amazing to see. It's an amazing uh, sort of technological development and advancement. And I'm all for it. I, I would love to see more of them. I think people can start using them soon to get to and from work as, as their mode of transportation. I think yeah. recreationally, we're also going to see more of it as, as our population ages. I mean, there's going to be points where, where a person that might've been a cyclist before no longer can push as hard and it's just difficult. Hop on an e-bike and all of a sudden you can do everything you did before. Exactly. Um, we have roughly uh, six months of winter in this town, depending on how you do the math. Um, in Toronto, as I mentioned, I was a four-season cyclist because I put on a few more layers and the, the roads were usually often clear. Um, that's how do, do, Are you a four-season cyclist in Huntsville? I, I cycle as late as I can and I start as soon as I can. Um, I've gotten really used to going on. There's new technology, like there's Zwift, if, if people have heard of that. It's a, it's sort of a, a cycling training, uh, virtual reality type of thing. Uh, you put it on your screen and you're biking through mountains and hills and all this. Wow. It's, it's nothing like cycling outside. I actually would love to cycle outside throughout the year. I do it as much as I can. I've studded tires for one of my bikes. Yeah. Um, and now with fat bikes becoming more popular, yes. I know a lot of people getting into that and I just haven't, I haven't got into that yet, but I'm going to investigate it. I guess my, my take on that is, you know, yes, we have additional challenges here for four seasons of cycling, but we can overcome them. I mean, as, um, as a town, as, as a municipality, we can look at, um, you know, improving, improving how we, it, once we have the, the cycling infrastructure, how are we going to maintain it and plow it and treat it in the winter so that we can have people with, you know, fat bikes or studded tires using it safely in the winter, using that stuff safely. I know, I mean, I am a four season runner. I, I run all season. I know countless people that run throughout the winter time. And I can tell you when you're running down main street and the sidewalk has been plowed at six in the morning, you're pretty happy about that. But when it hasn't been, so it, it makes a difference to people how we do how we do those things, how we maintain our infrastructure and, and, uh, and how we prioritize that. So in the long run, I, I think the goal should be to be four season, uh, four season destination, yeah. uh, or four seasons for local residents. And also, you know, in the winter we can get tourists up here doing fat biking tours and all sorts of things. If we have trail networks and set up yeah. properly for that. Yeah. Um, I, I lived in Ottawa for a while and there's a lot of four season cycling there in the winter as well. And the city uh, makes sure that the off, off-road trails are, are kept clean and, and safe as well. Yeah. That's great. Um, okay, you, when I'm, look, I, I, too bad this is not TV. When I look at John here, he looks like a picture of health. He looks like a, a Grecian god. Sorry for, for gushing. But uh, you must be fully cognizant of the health benefits of, of walking and cycling and running. Can you run through some of those? Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly don't need to do the amount of exercise that I do to, to be healthy. I mean, not, or to extend your lifespan or what I should maybe call it is, is your health span. So the years that you're, yeah. you're, you're healthy, um, just a little bit of mobility, just a little bit of, of cardio work, um, you know, during the week provides massive benefits. I mean, when you look at uh, cultures or cities around the world, particularly in Europe that do, do, do a lot of walking and get outside and walk to and from work, um, or, or to and from, or kids that walk to and from school. I mean, there's a massive difference in, in their, uh, incidence of obesity and, 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 you know, cardiac issues and, and everything of that sort. And, 
I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, that's not part of the discussion today, but I think that we know that in North America, we live a relatively, uh, you know, uh, sedentary lifestyle. We, we need to fix that. Mm. You know, our, our, we're not doing well in that department and getting outside and, and being active even for a little bit every day is, is massively beneficial. Yeah, if the infrastructure was available for active transportation, a lot of people could go from two cars to one car in their family or trucks. Um, we, my my girlfriend and I, we do live quite close downtown to downtown, but uh, we walk or take a short bike ride, but we only need one vehicle. And like, if you're looking at climate change, if we could reduce those number of second vehicles, that would be a tremendous benefit to to planet Earth. Because uh, climate change is going to, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be smooth. It's going to be parabolic, and we could be facing un, unimaginable horrors and disasters uh, in the next ten years. So we we should turn quickly to uh, taking up taking up this in the notion of uh, of active transportation. Our lives depend on it in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an opportunity for us here in 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 Muskoka and in Huntsville where. You know, we, we don't have a, a fully developed, uh, you know, urban boundary yet. There's still lots of, lots of, lots to come in terms of land that's available. There's more population that's going to come in the next 20 years. I heard a prediction that our population is going to double in the next, in Huntsville in the next uh, 20, 25 years or so. Um, and, and there is, so that tells me not that that's a bad thing. It just means that there's a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. to me. Um, to, to make sure we do this right, where you have an area like Toronto, you know, they're, they're spending a lot of money trying to go backwards and fix things that, that were already done the wrong way retroactively. Like I've seen as a great example that I feel like, you know, we can think of these things going forward is Toronto's taking, uh, traffic lanes, multi-lane roads, narrowing the lanes to create space for pedestrian active transportation routes, whether it's cycling lanes or sidewalks or trails, or, or even uh, boulevards with, with greenery in them. And, and what that does is, is, is the traditional method when you're engineering a road is you, 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 it's always been thought to prioritize the vehicle and therefore to make it safer, widen the lane, then you can let them drive faster and alleviate traffic concerns. Mm-hmm. Now the, the, the common thought in these areas is actually going the other way. It's narrowing the lane, slowing traffic down yeah. and providing space for pedestrians. And I think that I'd hate to see us make all the mistakes that these, these built up areas have made over the last, you know, 20, 30 years or more. Um, we got to start thinking ahead and saying, you know, what do we really want to see here ultimately? Yeah. We need to invert the traffic, uh, the, the, the transportation hierarchy. Yes. Instead of yeah. the automobile being at the at the apex, we need to put pedestrians at the apex and then, and then the other types of, uh, I mean, there, transportation. the other term that is commonly used that, that I want, I, that I want, that I want to label this as is, is vulnerable road users. Yeah, so yeah. that's not just cyclists. Like I, I, yes, I'm a cyclist. Yes, I'm a runner. But, but I think about the, 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 the family walking down the road with a stroller and two kids and a dog. Does that family feel safe on all of our roads on Brunel road or on Muskoka road three? They should, it should be like easy to do that. And, and, and so how do we make sure that that happens? You know, how do we, or does somebody in a wheelchair feel safe? Like we, we need to make sure that we're thinking of those users and, and making sure that we're putting uh, the right infrastructure in place to protect them. Yeah, the, the car culture uh, really only serves the triple A's, the active, affluent adults. 
So seniors are, who are, don't feel comfortable or can't afford cars are stuck. Mm-hmm. Teenagers are stuck. They have to get their parents to drive them everywhere. Young people who can't afford or don't want to buy a, a, a vehicle, they have to leave to, to a city, to Toronto or Ottawa or wherever, because they can't live out here. It's impossible to live. Yeah. As I've heard it said in Barrie, with, if you don't got a car, you don't go far. And that's a tragic, it's, it's yeah. funny, but it's tragic. And I mean, you're stuck. It's, it's just embarrassing after coming from Toronto where, where trans, trans, uh, transit is so available. Mm-hmm. It's a real big down, uh, a big downer to be here when you're dependent on, on the car so mm-hmm. much. I do, I do feel like there is a lot of good discussions happening, um, you know, with this committee and, and related discussions with the new term of council coming in. There are a lot of, uh, keen members of that committee and of, of yeah. council that want to take action and make a change and, and, and make things better. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the next four years and, 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 and even further into the future, to be honest, cause this is more than just a four year plan. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I want to see what we can get done on this committee to, to, to try to make a difference fast, you know, and, and try to get some good plans in place so that we can feel, uh, you know, as a community, optimistic about what's coming down down the road. Yeah, John, thank you so much for coming on Muskoka Drawdown. It's been a real pleasure to to hear to feel your energy and your optimism and your enthusiasm. And I'll give you the last word. What should people do um, in terms of making sure some of this this happens? You know, you've heard this before, but but I'll say it again because it is important. And I, I I think you know, making your voice heard, um, sending an email uh, to, to, to a town contact, heck reaching out to me and, and, and I'd be fine with it. I think that, um, if, if we all treat each other with respect and, and have conversations and have communications about, about where you feel we could do better as a municipality. I mean, I don't work for the town. I don't have control over the outcomes, but I think having conversations and understanding where people are struggling, I can't pretend to understand uh, what it's like to be an elderly person walking around this town with a, with a bum knee. I, I can't pretend to know and understand what it's like to be in a wheelchair, but so I understand it from maybe one perspective, but I want to understand it from everybody's perspective. And I think that if we can start to understand that we'll, we'll come up with really good solutions. We'll think of the right solutions as sort of as a team. And, and I think it's important to, to hear from people, um, to 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 really understand what problems are out there and and then start thinking about how we can correct them thank you so much john it's been a pleasure thank you very much frank pleasure to be here i went to the country to escape the noise and lights i laid there in the pine cones all night i woke in the morning and all the trees were gone I got this sinking feeling Everything felt wrong